You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, Happy New Year. Let me try that again. Happy New Year. Great to, to see you here today on our first Sunday, as has been said, of not just a new year, but a new decade. If you are new here among us at CLM, a very warm welcome to you. Absolutely delighted to have you here. And if you are just looking for somewhere to worship, we pray that you would find a home here amongst those of us that are already settled here where you can belong and grow and play your part in the kingdom of God. I don't know if like me, you spent some time looking back and looking forward. I always do that this time of year and uh, made some reflections, obviously in terms of our own family, but also looking back at the life of the church. What an incredible year 2019 was here at CLM. We're so grateful to God for all that He did among us, starting this time last year with 21 Days of Prayer for the first time, and then what flowed out of that growing ministries and uh, a new expression of mission and so many more people getting involved in our, our partner ministries. I, I did my first serve on the winter night shelter just before Christmas. What a privilege it was to play my little part serving those that are homeless in the city. And uh, just great to see many others getting involved in projects, evangelism, seeing our life group step into mission. We launched the six our third service here back in March and, and seen so many people give their lives to Christ and some incredible healings. I think we have more recorded responses to the gospel and baptisms in 2019 than, than any time since we've been measuring that. And just so, so thankful to God. We had an incredible vision Sunday and more people attending carol services than ever before. So much to celebrate as we head into 2020. I'm super excited as to what God is going to do. Building on last year as we step into another year, playing our part in this city alongside so many other amazing churches to see the kingdom of God come. We've got lots of exciting connections, people that are going to pass through this church in 2020. We believe to reach our Vision Sunday in the autumn this year debt-free and uh, just keep praying into that and playing our part in that. Uh, we'll be speaking more later in the year about the next phase of the church's vision, what we believe God wants to do in us and through us as a community in the coming years. We've got a, a missions weekend in May that I'm excited about inviting everyone to come in, be part of it for some input, and then to go out in task force teams on a Saturday afternoon and impact our city. We're looking with other churches in the city to prayer walk every street in Coventry in the month of June and lay a foundation, a project called Open Heaven, as we move this, the prayer strategy forward. Uh, in the autumn, the higher tour, Message Trust are going to come back and uh, impact lots of our secondary schools. Loads and, and loads going on. But I, you know, I say all of that as we come into 21 Days of Prayer to say that in our own lives, whatever you're believing for in 2020, and for us together, we have to build a foundation of prayer. We have to base it in prayer, our dependency upon God. It is His work. He alone is building His church. He alone is building the house. And so in these three weeks that starts tomorrow, can we all say tomorrow? 
in case you just kind of passed you by. Our 21 days of prayer starts tomorrow, the 6th of Jan through to the 26th of Jan. And we are inviting you to enter in, to do something. It doesn't matter to me what you do, but do something that creates space for a more prayerful expression of life, for you to maybe cut some things out in order to make room for some things to come in. We often say it's not what you fast from, but what you fast to that is most significant. But why not make space for God? If you can can fast from food and, and do read the, the piece in the booklet and online some advice if you're still growing, if you're a young person or you're pregnant or you've not got a healthy relationship with food or you've got some medical conditions, seek some advice. All of that, be wise. But if you can, we encourage you to fast from food in order to step up your prayer focus in this time. But I think all of us can make some other space in our lives. We spend so much time on our screens, on our phones. I know some people are deleting some social media apps for the 21 days and then will reinstall. But they're just like, I'm just coming off because I, I need to free up hours of time that I spend on these apps. And I'm just gonna come off in order to make space to pray. And let your friends know, I'm not... I'm not I'm not defriending you or unfriending you, whatever you say. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm not ghosting. I've not died. I'm, I'm just coming away in order to be a bit more prayerful. We encourage you to make space, make time for God. What could be more important than that? Do you know what happens when we do that is we actually reestablish some healthier patterns and rhythms in our life. And then we don't actually have to go back to how things have been, but live in a new norm. And so uh, many of you last week and then this week have got these little booklets. I want to encourage you to use them. You can also find this on our website, uh, clmchurch.co.uk forward slash prayer and go to 21 days of prayer. And I just want to take a moment to let you know some things that are in here because I don't assume because it's in your hand, it's necessarily going to get opened and get read, um, although hopefully it will. But uh, pages four and five, uh, 21 days of prayer overview. I just want to highlight some things that we are looking to trigger among us in these three weeks. Firstly, pray at midday. And we're encouraging everybody, if you are able, to take a moment to pray the Lord's Prayer at midday through these 21 days. Set an alarm on your phone, and unless you're just putting your phone in the drawer for the whole three weeks. Uh, set an alarm and, uh, and then pray at midday. Uh, many of you will remember hearing from Rich Williams, who's a manager on a, a construction site. Last year he was doing this, and, and uh, on the construction site where, where he's a manager, he's in the office, and he's praying the Lord's Prayer, and somebody comes in and says, you know, what, what are you doing, Rich? He says, oh, I'm, I'm praying. And said, what, what, what do you pray? He said, I'm praying the Lord's Prayer. We're doing this part of my church. And this guy said, oh, can I join you? And so he joins, and then someone else joins, and they end up with this group of guys uh, stopping, and then they're, they're on with a particular build one day, and it goes past midday, and one of them goes, oh, no, Rich, we've missed it. Like, can we still pray? Like, it's half 12. It's like, no, you've missed it. You have to wait for tomorrow. No, it's alive. Of course we can. But what an exciting thing. I want to encourage you to enter and make use of that. Teach us to pray is a series today. And the next three weeks, we are going to be working through something so simple, which is giving you prayers to pray through, putting tools into your hand so that nobody here would be able to say, but I don't know how to pray. And uh, that's going to be part of Teach Us to Pray. And then we're encouraging you from a Sunday 
to actually use that prayer that we've talked through on a Sunday in the following seven days to take some space in your own life and pray that prayer through. Start to own it. Start to step into it and use it. The prayer shield, this is a particular prayer focus that is in the book for the seven days of the week, a different focus each day on our prayer army that undergirds the ministry here in prayer, praying this through all the time. But wouldn't it be exciting for hundreds of us to be aligning our praying over these three weeks. And each day, following the prayer shield through and praying the same prayers and the same points, the same emphases, the same scriptures together to see a shift. Uh, life groups, I want to encourage you if you're a part of Student Connect, Life Group, when does Student Connect start back? The 14th. Uh, you'll know your life group leader uh, when you're starting back. I encourage you to be part of life group, to make that a priority over these three weeks. And particularly if you're entering into prayer and fasting, being in fellowship is so key, so important. I encourage you to be a part of that. Our prayer meetings, uh, which you've seen uh, already, lunchtimes and evenings, and then fasting. I encourage you, as we said already, to do something, make some space. And then there's a piece on how to approach 21 days of prayer. There are some tools, including one hour with God. And uh, if you are new to prayer and you think, I could never pray for an hour, uh, you could actually. And here's a real simple tool just to take five minutes on this, 10 minutes on this. Before you know it, you'll have done an hour. And uh, so that's a tool you can use. Teach us to pray these four prayers we're praying through from page 10. Then you get to your personal prayer focus. Encourage you during these three weeks, to settle on some things you're going to really push in to God for, things you're believing for or praying into. And those can be your focuses personally through this time. Then the prayer shield, then at the back, some, uh, some words around fasting. And, uh, you know, I just want to say this before we move on. I want to encourage you, above all things in these 21 days, to enjoy God. To in, enjoy the Lord. I know this time last year, I, I spoke on, on this Sunday as we led in, and it was really interesting because uh, a lot of people that we were aware we were coming into this 21 days, and a lot of us were going to be fasting for 21 days, and I think that there was an expectation of the congregation, it was going to be a try harder, fast more, pray more, do more message, and it was just an enjoying God, learn to enjoy Him. And some of that comes out of my own walk and my own lessons that I've learned in this. I remember the first time I undertook a 21-day fast personally, and I was so excited pressing into God, but I came at it super intense. And it's like, right, I'm going to first hour, I'm going to read the Bible. Second hour, I'm going to pray in tongues. Third hour, I'm going to worship. I remember my first morning. I got into my third hour, and I'm, I'm trying to worship. Actually, I'm stomping up and down singing because I'm just trying to, I'm trying to do more. I was like, hallelujah, hallelujah, you know, and it's like, and there was no sense of God, and I stopped, I was like, Martin, what are you doing? I was like, Lord, I, I can't sense you, and I'm sure he didn't, but it was as if the Lord said, you need to chill out, man. It's like, I, I, I don't really want to spend time with that. that, that's too intense for me. It's like, just relax, and I just had to learn to come before the Lord, to wait on the Lord, sit before him, just breathe, let the presence of God come and find you. And I'm all for pushing in in prayer. I'm all for the word. I'm all for praying in the spirit. But let's position it from a, a desire to enjoy God, to know that he is passionate for our presence. And so with that end, I'm going to pray. Lord, would you help us in these 21 days? Every one of us, Lord, we might grow in prayer. We might build our prayer stamina. But Lord, more than anything, we might find you. 
We might have a fresh revelation of your love and your grace for us. Would you lead us into your paths and your ways? Lord, that we wouldn't push and strive trying to earn something, but we would just learn the sweetness of coming to you as we are. In Jesus' name, amen. So, these next four Sundays, we are going to journey through a real simple series, Teach Us to Pray. I don't know about you, so many of us, I think we can feel we're not very good at this, or else we can feel like we ought to be more prayerful than we are. We can be aware of the great prayer warriors, the the people that are amazing in the prayer meeting, who can pray for, for half an hour without ceasing, and some of us can feel, I'm just not so good at this. Well, you know, there are so many different kinds of prayer. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Can we say all kinds of prayers? There's all kinds of prayers. And with this in mind, be alert, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. But I want to encourage us with all kinds of prayers to pray. You can read books on prayer. You can go to seminars on prayer. You can go to a prayer conference. You can find prayer warriors and get them to lay hands on you. But nothing is going to grow your prayer life like praying. And sometimes we've just got to make a start. Just stop talking about it, thinking about it, lamenting that we're not very good at it. Just do it. And we are inviting you to enter in. It's fascinating, isn't it, that... Of all the things the disciples saw, Jesus performed these incredible miracles, teaching the like of which has never been and never since before or since heard than came from Jesus. The the spiritual authority with which he moved, the power to cast out demons, the the understanding of doctrine and theology as if he wrote the book himself. Uh Uh-huh. And yet... Recorded in Scripture, I'm sure they asked him many things, but recorded in Scripture, just one time they asked him to teach them something specific, and their request was, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us how to pray. Luke 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, verse 1. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. He'd been praying, and then he came to them, and they said, Lord, can we know how to pray? What, what goes on in that secret place? Would you give us a window that we might know how to pray like you pray? And so we're inviting you to use these prayers to own them, work them, use them, appropriate them. And today we're starting with Jesus' answer to this request, teach us to pray. The request is specific in Luke 11, but the parallel scripture in Matthew is where we're turning to today. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you come with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to break in in verse 5, and we're going to look at what is known as the Lord's Prayer. Can we all say the Lord's Prayer? And tonight, the sixth, Obadiah is going to unpack the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I'm so excited to, to hear his take on this prayer. And uh, we've compared notes, but I know he's been living in this like I've been trying to live in this prayer. And uh, I'm excited to hear some things that he's going to be able to share with us of what he's gleaned. This is what Jesus said, verse 5, Matthew 6. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Let me pause there. Jesus 
is saying, don't try and impress others with your praying. Prayer is between you and God. Now, there is an abundance of examples in the Bible of prayer together, of corporate prayer. It runs all the way through the New Testament. Jesus isn't saying, don't pray with others, but he is saying, don't focus on those who are listening, but focus on the Lord. I think he's also saying, learn to pray in private as well as together. And some of us are better at one and some of us are better at the other, but that we would learn to pray together and learn to pray in private, just us. Then he says this, and when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Again, Jesus isn't discouraging much prayer. He can't possibly. He, Jesus spent whole nights in prayer. He undertook a 40-day fast before he entered his ministry. He was known as a person of prayer. He said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. The early church is founded on prayer. The, the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost in a context where the church is, the Bible says, all joined together constantly in prayer. They were in this continual prayer meeting. The leaders, they, they said in Acts 6, they had to change their priorities to be set apart for prayer and the word. The early church was devoted to four things, one of which was, you got it. We are charged, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, is to pray continually. But Jesus is saying you don't need to use vain repetitions. You don't need incantations. You don't need to be weird. You don't need to think, if I pray this a thousand times, maybe the Lord will hear. He's saying, just come and speak normally to the Father. He's right there, and he wants to hear your voice, not rain repetitions. And then he says this, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us, our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I remember my mom teaching me this prayer as a boy and, and encouraging me every day to kneel by my bed and say the Lord's Prayer. And she would often say to me, Martin, have you said your prayers? And I learned to pray this prayer very fast. I learned to pray this in just under 10 seconds. Oh, Father, I never know the kingdom of the world. Because I want to just get it done. That I could say, yes, I, yes, I've prayed my prayers. And it was meaningless. But what a thought Jesus gives a template to pray. I think he gives a window into how he was praying, the things he was praying through. You know, one of the best ways to grow in prayer, yes, is by actually praying, but also by getting around somebody who has been further in prayer than you have getting in their slipstream. You know, that's, it's true in any walk of life. If you want to raise your game, if you can get around someone who's further on than you are, whether that's with a musical instrument or, or in baking or in, in the gym, it doesn't really matter. If you train with or under someone that's gone further than you, it will lift your game. You'll learn, you'll glean, and you'll improve. And here, the best prayer ever is telling us how to pray. We've got to be crazy to not try to enter into this prayer. Trying to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to learn to pray this prayer through. This is His prayer plan for us. It's the Lord's prayer. And I encourage you 
to do that. As I've been doing this over uh, the last few weeks in preparation for the start of this series, owning this myself, stopping at, at each phrase. There are seven phrases we're going to walk through in a moment and stopping at each phrase and just unpacking it. You see, you can, you can pray it through hopefully more than 10 seconds, maybe 30 seconds, or you can take a little bit longer and just pray through each section as you come to it. That's what I've been doing. It's taken me about 20 minutes just to journey through. I'm not trying to stretch it out. Just to actually journey through the prayer in a meaningful way. It's taken me about 20 minutes. You might want to spend an hour. You might want to spend five. But that's what I'm inviting you to do. But the first thing that we come to, I find this absolutely incredible. Jesus opens the prayer. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Can we say that together? I think this opening is to help us to connect with God relationally. We come not, not as servants, th- though we are, not as believers, though we are. We are invited to come as sons and daughters, our Father in heaven. Jesus doesn't begin by saying, pray this way, you almighty, holy, awesome, magnificent creator God, which he could do. That would be an appropriate start. He does say, hallowed be your name. We'll come to that. But he says, come and pray, our Father. Come and pray, Father. Come in first and foremost as a son and as a daughter. Come to him and know his love. Now, the truth is none of us have had the perfect pattern of Father, and none of us will be the perfect pattern of Father. And so all of us, we probably need to make some adjustments, especially those, who have had, those of us that haven't known our fathers or have had a poor example of father. We have to come and say, Lord, would you help us to know what it is to come to you as father? Romans 8 says this, you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his children. Now we call him Abba Father, Daddy, he's saying, come first to Dad. I remember as a little boy, the excitement of my father returning home from work. I remember the hour before, beginning to get excited, talking to my mom. When's Dad coming home? When's Dad coming home? I remember hearing him pull up his car, pull onto the drive, and his key in the lock of the door, and rushing to meet him. I remember the smell of his suit and the smell of his briefcase as I held on to his leg. I can remember those moments and the generation passes. I remember being the father when my kids were little. They don't do this anymore. They don't even look up now. But I can remember um, when, I, you know, when they were little and I'd come in and was like, Daddy. And I think this, this is what Jesus is saying. Come to the Father. Come, come and know that he loves you. Come and know you are accepted. Come and know that he wants to meet with you. Just come. There's an incredible set of pictures from the Oval Office with uh, John F. Kennedy. Many of you will, will recognize JFK, one of the younger presidents, one of the few presidents to have a young family while serving as president. And here is little John F. Kennedy Jr., or John John, as he was known, in the Oval Office. And I love this picture. As, as, as flawed as any human picture is, this helps me when I enter into prayer, our Father in heaven. Because he's not in the most powerful room or one of the best known rooms in the whole world, the seat of authority in the United States of America. He's not there because of who he is. He's there because of whose he is. And here's little John John, and there's some other pictures. You can Google them. There's a, I love a picture of him with his slightly older sister dancing in the Oval Office. 
And here's the thing that, that our awesome God, the one who is holy, the one who is creator, the one who is the ultimate one of dominion and power and glory, we can come right into his presence, not because of who we are, because of whose we are. We can come into that place as children. And so my prayer might be, Lord, thank you. I can come as a son. Father, I come to you this morning. Thank you for adopting me and giving me the rights of sonship. Thank you, Lord, I can be honest with you. I can be real. I can speak freely. Thank you, Lord, that you want the best for me. Father, thank you I can come and make audacious requests. Father, thank you that when I was a long way off, you ran to meet me and you put a robe upon me and a ring on my finger and sandals on my feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that heaven threw a party for me. Father, I come as a son. Open my eyes to know what it means to be a son of the living God, for you to be my father. Thank you, Lord. It's not just my father, but our father. Thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ with whom I can journey. Thank you, God. I come to you and into your presence. This is how I might open this prayer. Then Jesus says, hallowed be your name. In this section, we're invited to worship his name. As Esther mentioned earlier in our service, the, the word holy means other, separate, consecrated. Hallowed is from the word hagios, which means holy. Your name is holy. There is no name like your name. Our Father in heaven, you are totally different to anybody else. This is what this part is saying. Hallowed be your name. Notice we're, we're shown the power of not diving in with our requests, but coming to the Father and then magnifying to ourselves who He is. We won't make Him any bigger in Himself, but we will magnify Him in our perspective. What can happen so often, we're focused on our situations, our circumstances, and our, our picture. If we just arrive before God, He is too small. We've somehow shrunk him in the challenge of our world. But when we remember who he is, we magnify him and we remember the one we're coming to is able to do all things. This is the power of hallowed be your name. To declare who God is. I remember years ago being part of a prayer meeting where we unpacked Psalm 111. Great psalm packed with lots of attributes of God. And we were encouraged to, to take every verse and every word and just stretch it out, unpack it. What does this word mean? Think of some other words that mean those words. And we built this amplified psalm around Psalm 111. The plan was to spend half an hour doing this and half an hour bringing requests before God. But the hallowed be thy name exercise took 55 minutes of the hour. But as we did it, phrases like the works of his hands are faithful. And so what does it mean to be faithful? So saying, God, you're trustworthy. God, you're consistent. You're true. You're committed. You're upright. You're steadfast. Lord, there's, there's nothing erratic about you. You are not unfaithful. You're not insincere. What you do reflects it, the works of your hands, God. And we, we amplify God. And by the time we got to our request, our faith was so high. Because we, we knew afresh in our own hearts and spirits how awesome God is. And then we're able to say, Lord, we bring you this. Thank you, you can deal with it. Lord, we bring you this. Amen. And not thrashing about trying to muster up our faith. Hallowed be your name. In my prayer times, in this prayer, I found myself putting his name as a banner over my household. Lord, you are 
provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. And I place that name over my household. I come to you, Father. Jehovah Jireh, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The one who is able to provide all things. The one whose arm is never too short. Lord, I lift up your name. Lord, you are Jireh. You are the one who sees and the one who sees to it. Thank you, God, you are able. And I place your name over my family. You are God. And moving through some of the names of God. Personally, I encourage you to do that. You can find the names of God. Just do a, a Google search. Next week, the second prayer. Esther's going to be leading us in, in eight attributes or names, characteristics of God, which will help us back into this prayer. But to come and say, God, your provider, your healer, your all-sufficient, your portion, your mighty, your peace, your wisdom your protector, your way maker, your strength, your fortress, your shepherd, and to lift up his name, to magnify who he is, to run into his name, remind myself of his nature. I encourage you to do that. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then the third phrase we come to is your kingdom come. Can we say that together? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Having come to him as Father, lifted up his name, we come to pray his agenda first. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. To be clear, if you're, you're new around church, around the Bible, the kingdom of God is really the rule and reign of Jesus. Or the phrase I, I find probably the easiest is just the ways of God. When the ways of God come, that's the kingdom coming. When you open your heart to make room for God to do his work in your life, the kingdom comes right there. If you stand up for integrity in the workplace, the kingdom comes right there, the ways of God. If you pray for someone who's sick, the kingdom comes right there. And unlike any earthly kingdom, before or after it, which is always by force, ultimately, one way or another, the kingdom comes through open hearts. And we are kingdom bringers. And so we're praying, Lord, let your ways come in the earth as in heaven. And I found as I prayed this through, I can't start in any other place than in me. Lord, let your kingdom, let your kingdom come in me today. Let your ways come in me today. Lord, I open my heart to you, my, every part of my life, that your kingdom would come here. Lord, have your way in me today. Do what you want to do in me. And as I've prayed that, just positioning myself before the Lord, I then Pray, Lord, and let the kingdom come, not just in me, but through me. Let me be a kingdom bringer today. That your peace may come to others. Your gospel may come to others. Your truth may come to others. Your power may come to others. Your kindness may come to others. Lord, let me be a conduit of your kingdom. Let your kingdom come in me and let your kingdom come through me. I found as I prayed this, different things open up in the day. And I don't know if it's because I, I prayed it, whether I positioned myself or the Lord is answering my prayer. I don't know. But something is good about saying, Lord, let your kingdom come through me. Then, of course, we can expand and extend this in so many different ways. Pray the kingdom of God to come in your family. Pray for the kingdom of God to come in the place where you study, the place where you work. Oh, God, let your kingdom come here. Let your will be done here. To begin to pray that through. Pray it for your street. Pray it for your city for your college, for your university, for your school, for your place of work. Pray it for 
for Coventry, pray it for our nation. We need the kingdom of God to come. I don't know about you, I, I get troubled by some things in the news the last couple of days, the whole situation in Iran and Iraq and, and the States and, and what the British response is and how that's going to unfold. And I don't know, but maybe like me, you're kind of not sure quite how to pray other than to say, Lord, let your kingdom come. I find it great not to feel impotent in prayer, but in this section to bring some of these things simply to God and say, Lord, I bring this to you with the millions of people around the earth praying, Lord, let your kingdom come in the earth. I'm going to add my little amen in this section of prayer. In these 21 days of prayer, starting tomorrow, I've agreed to stand with a friend to pray daily for his son. And I'm going to be praying, Lord, let your kingdom come, this young man's life. Lord, let your will be done. Lord, soften his heart. Break in. Touch his life. Lord, let your ways be established. I'm excited to be praying for this young man. I know I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow in my love for him as I pray for him, as I stand with him. Kingdom come. Fourthly, give us this day our daily bread so we can depend on him for everything. I find it amazing that, that our needs, our immediate needs, Jesus doesn't start there. He says, come to Father, come and lift him up. Come and pray your kingdom. Come. What, what I found is by the time I get to give us this day our daily bread, my whole perspective has grown and been elevated. I know that I'm a son. I've magnified who he is. I've prayed into some wider issues. And then I do bring my needs, but, but they're so small compared to everything else. I know they're no problem for God. I love how, how Jesus delays this part of the prayer until now. You know, some of us, we're good at bringing our needs to God. Some of us, we're terrible at bringing our needs to God. I want to say this to you. He knows, yes, but he wants us to ask. Let me say that again. He knows, yes, but he wants us to ask. The things that you have need of, you should bring them to him. The psalmist says, I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Oh, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. As we bring our requests, what a friend I have in Jesus. All my sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And often we forfeit the peace of God because we don't bring our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Whatever you may need, health, peace, joy, strength, wisdom, bring it to him. In this section, Lord, I need your wisdom today. Would you give me your wisdom? Thank you, God, you are ultimately wise. Thank you, you, you say in your word, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask. I come, I'm asking for wisdom. Give me today your wisdom, Lord. Thank you. In part of this prayer, I think it's primarily about substance. I remember in my early 20s, I went on a missions trip to Guatemala. I'd felt the Lord speak to me to go, and it was several hundred pounds that I didn't have, and I signed up, and some money came in, but only about half the money. And I went on this trip, and I came back, and the money still hadn't come, and I, they'd allowed me to go, but I now had a debt. And I remember I was really frustrated about it because the Lord had led me to go, and, and He'd used me while I was there. And I was like, Lord, this is your problem. Just sort this out. 
And I remember like no money came in. And I, and I remember uh, a couple of weeks on or two, three weeks on, just going, Lord, you need to sort this out. And I remember him saying to me, you haven't asked me. I remember I, I felt frustrated. I was like, Lord, why? Honestly, I, I think in my arrogance and my immaturity, I said something like, Lord, that's ridiculous. Why should I bother? Lord, you know, you told me to go. It's your bill. Just sort it out. And he said, you haven't asked me. And I said, Lord, show me one place in your word where it says, I need to ask you about things you know you need to provide. And he said to me, clear as day, give us this day our daily bread. And I went, oh, yes, sorry, Lord, forgot about that. And I had to humble myself. How stupid am I? Lord, I have this need and I, I've just left it with you and yet you've asked me to come and bring it to you and bring it to you and bring it to you until it comes. And I think the Lord invites us into a culture of intimacy and dependency. Yes, he knows, but he wants you to ask. And so daily, I'm coming in this prayer and saying, Lord, thank you for all you have provided. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your abundance. Now, I bring you these needs. I bring them to you. I know that you know, but I bring them before you. Give us this day our daily bread. I believe God wants to do that. Just a brief word about faith pledges. Many of you, uh, with, along with us, stepped out in our vision offering and made a faith pledge. And I've spoken to this the, fo- the week following Vision Sunday, the moment and the momentum. That often we respond in the moment of faith, but God is looking to turn the moment of faith into a momentum of faith. And some of us, we stepped out and say, don't leave it there, but come daily and say, God, would you provide seed for the sower? Lord, I've written this number down and I don't know how it will come. So I bring it to you. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Give me all that I need for my bills, for my rent, whatever it is, for food. And, And Lord, would you supply seed for the sower that I can fulfill this offering? God wants us to come into that dependent place of prayer. And then he comes to this, forgive us our debts or our sins or our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us or our debtors. And in this part of the prayer, we're invited to get our hearts right with God and right with others. It's clear there are two parts to this, our own repentance and the forgiveness of others. I find it so powerful also that this is not where the prayer starts. I think if I was designing the prayer, I'd start here, get right with God before you come into his presence. No, now, I know sometimes we can be burdened by a sense of, uh, of guilt or failure, and maybe we do need to repent before we can even get going, but God's pattern is to come. We're welcome at our worst, and we come in as sons and daughters, and we lift up his name, and we pray kingdom come, we bring our needs, and then he says, now examine your heart. Maybe you carry some things you're aware you need to ask God to cleanse you and forgive you for. Bring them to him. Say, Lord, forgive me. Receive by faith. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So I come, say, God, forgive me for this. Forgive me for this. Lord, I'm sorry. I repent. Cleanse me. Make me new. I receive your cleansing. And then we can invite him to purify our hearts. Invite him to examine our hearts at another level. I love the words of Psalm 139, where it The psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad. 
the living Bible and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I found in my life it's so powerful to come daily. Say, Lord, forgive me my sins. In my experience, the Lord can take us through seasons of purification, seasons where he'll take us deeper. He'll show us really what's on the inside. He'll show us the condition of our hearts and pride if we're open to that and refine us and move us to a new level. And maybe in these 21 days, not, not for condemnation, but for closeness to God, for purification, for joy, for delight, to allow him. It was a brave prayer to pray, but say, Lord, examine me, show me what you see. C.S. Lewis, writing in Surprised by Joy, he said how he'd, he'd looked at the, the moral norms of the day and matched himself up to them and found himself to be reasonably good. But then for the first time, he seriously examined his conscience before God. And he says, what I found appalled me, a zoo of lusts, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, a harem of fondled hatreds. My name was Legion. Now, then he could come and say, oh God, I truly see myself as I am. Would you purify me? Would you cleanse me? And the Lord comes and brings us to another level of holiness. Forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us, this second area that we might forgive others. So we might pray, Lord, make me a pure vessel. Lord, show me my pride. Lord, take away the love of sinning. God, give me a loathing for all that offends you. And then we come and release those around us. Make sure we do that. This can be massive for so many people. Sometimes it can be little things. Somebody who was just a bit rude to you or off with you and we can just release them before the Lord. Sometimes it can feel too big or the pain too deep to just release someone just like that. As Esther often says, you don't have to find it in yourself. Find it in the Lord. Find grace in him for forgiveness if you've been deeply hurt. And I don't know why it should be, but sometimes we have to forgive and we have to forgive again and we have to forgive again and, and we get there in the end. But sometimes it is process, not moment. And here Jesus says, daily come. This is how to pray. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I remember a few years ago seeking to, to fully release a couple of people who I'd blamed for a very difficult experience. I hadn't consciously harbored unforgiveness, but I knew when I thought of them, I didn't think well of them. I was like, Lord, I need to deal with this. There's something's not quite right. And I remember going on a walk with the Lord and just talking to him, pouring out my heart, saying, God, would you help me? I want to fully release these people. And praying as far as I possibly could to forgive and release. And I remember a, a few months later, thinking back to the circumstances, and I found there was some pain still that I had. I was like, Lord, this shouldn't be here. I've forgiven these people. And I don't know why it should be so, because I forgave as fully as I could, and yet I had to come again and simply say, Lord, I forgive them again. And to truly release people, we have to bless them and start to pray the blessing of God. Pray the best prayer you can for that person who wounded you, and that will take you into a new place of forgiveness. But sometimes it's process. It's not event, but we can come daily. Lord, I forgive. And we position ourselves as those who forgive. Sixthly, Jesus says this, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. And here we engage in spiritual warfare. 
Ephesians 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of the dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I wonder, do you pray for protection daily? Do you pray not out of fear, but out of wisdom? Do you take a stand against the enemy? Some of you that have been on freedom in Christ before Christmas, you are equipped with some things to confess daily, bring into play, keep it alive. Let His truth and His Word live over your life. Of course, encountering temptation, we we might need to find someone to whom we can be accountable, to whom we are able to be vulnerable. I thank God for people in my life who can ask me any question they want to ask me, with whom I can come and, and share my vulnerabilities. I need that accountability in my life. But it's not an either or, it's an and also. I'm also going to come and say, oh God, lead me not into temptation. I can pray for myself, Lord, would you lead me away from temptation today? Lord, give me a desire for holiness today. Oh God, keep me on a tight leash today in my thoughts and my actions. Lord, help me to be alert today, to call out to you straight away. If I'm tempted, Lord, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, keep me pure today from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Lord, I pray your protection over my life and my family. Thank you for your promise, God, that no weapon forged against me will prosper. Keep me from harm and deliver me from evil. I wonder if the band can come and join me. And then this beautiful final phrase, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And I found as I've journeyed through, stopping at these points, what a beautiful place to culminate this prayer. You'll find it in some of the, the versions. This end piece is in the footnote. It's not found in all the manuscripts. It's found in the later manuscripts. But here's the point that through the centuries of church history, through the nations of the earth, no prayer has been prayed by the Lord's Prayer. And the great finale has always been this, which is a deeply biblical uh, phrase in any case, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know what I find so great about finishing my prayer? Glorifying God, worshipping Him, saying, Lord, you are able, Lord, you're over all. Lord, yours is the kingdom. You are all powerful, God. You hold all dominion. All the glory be to you, O God. You are the one who reigns forever. God, you are unstoppable. Something is so great. It's not only life-giving and faith-raising, but it reminds me that everything I've just brought to Him, He is able to answer. Everything I've just laid before Him, whether the, the situations in the earth that are way beyond me or my personal need, I can come and say, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. You are able to deal with all of this. Thank you because you are God. I'm not coming to someone who needs to go and consult with someone else or try and raise the funds or, or move some things about. He is able. I said, He is able. Jeremiah puts it like this, Ah, Sovereign Lord, You made the heavens and the earth by Your great power and Your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for You. My friends, Your day might look demanding. Your situation might be a challenge. Your circumstances may be daunting. But His is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. I wonder if we can stand together. If you've got your booklet, why don't you just grab a hold of it? If you haven't, you've got it at home. Don't worry. Page 10 is this prayer. 
teach us to pray. As I've journeyed through this, as I've owned this prayer in the last few weeks, I've simply settled on seven words. Father, name, kingdom, bread, forgive, deliver, and glory. And I know when I get to that section what it means. Name means I'm going to lift up His name. Lift His name up over my family. Forgive means I'm going to bring anything to Him and release anyone. And I can journey through these. I want to encourage you this week, maybe open up this book at page 10. Sit before the Lord and journey through this prayer. As we finish and the band lead us in a song, we're going to pray this prayer out together. I'm going to encourage you to lift up your voice. Let's pray this as one people declaring together, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. And ever, and ever. Amen. Amen.